my co-host and friend, Shelly. Hi, Pamela. Yeah, I'm excited to see where we're going. We missed you. Welcome, welcome back. It's good Thank to have you. you back. I missed you too, but it was nice to get away. Costa Rica yeah. was awesome. Costa Rica is gorgeous. If anyone yeah, has it really was. not been, it's quite an adventure. Uh-huh. It is gorgeous. And we have yeah. a special guest with us today. We have again with us Rich, the lawyer that one of the few, two or three lawyers that I trust anymore. That we like. That we like. <laughs> yes. Hi, you two are very kind. It's good to be with you. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, I brought Rich in because remember about the Attorney General case, John Swallow and Rich and I did that investigation for the legislators. So in this episode, we're going to jump now to the trial. And his trial actually occurred while Jeremy, it pretty like in, within the first year or two of Jeremy being in prison. Okay. And Jeremy was like a huge witness in that case because <laughs> without his allegations, none of that would have happened. Okay. And and remember, like in the last episode, I explained that Jeremy's own attorney had not been to see him in prison. Or been oh, funny. that's right. Yes. But you know who had been seeing him are John Swallow's attorneys, which is freaking really? brilliant of them. Yeah. Huh. So as his trial starts, and Swallow was facing nine charges, pattern of unlawful activity, accepting a gift, two counts of receiving or soliciting a bribe. One of those counts was from the work that Rich and I did together. Okay. Which one was that, Yeah. The soliciting a bribe. Oh, yeah. And making false statements. Those are all second-degree felonies. And he was also facing evidence tampering, misuse of public money, and obstruction of justice, which were all third-degree felonies. Wait, who is this? Swallow? Attorney General I mean, John Swallow. The, yeah, the former okay. Attorney General okay. for the state of Utah. That's so what I thought. So when he went okay. on trial, he was facing those nine counts, of which some of them are direct correlations to our work, which is why I wanted to have Rich here with us. Okay. And it kind of bugged me a bit. Like I say, it was genius of Swallow's attorneys to be talking to Jeremy, but it kind of bugged me that they were the ones putting effort in, that Jeremy's attorneys, I couldn't see. Remember, he's hired, he's got these other lawyers, lawyer number six, which just so you know, lawyer number six was (laughs) selected as attorney of the year. By the uh-uh. Bar Association. Yeah. Just recently just, or during this whole time? I think it was either right before or right after this. Oh, for the and, love. And, which kind of surprised me a bit. And guess who else got Attorney of the Year? I think they actually got Defense Lawyer of the Year. Attorney number two. No kidding. No kidding. Of course. Dog. Yeah. All that really, really shocks me. But anyway, Swallow's attorneys, the former Attorney General, they had... You know, Rich and I say all the time, cases are won and lost way before you ever step into a courtroom. I agree. Uh-huh. And they were working their stuff. They were doing, you know, like all the people say, what do you do as an investigator? Like, what does it entail? And when I have a client facing charges like this, my job would be interviewing all the witnesses, prepping everything for trial. Uh-huh. And prepping everything is to interview these witnesses to find out what are they going to say and how are they connected in what way. And in this case, 
the lawyers themselves were doing it, which turned out yeah. to be extremely effective and very, very smart. Okay. So as trial starts going, Rich and I haven't heard from anyone on either side. It surprised me a little bit, but I thought, well, you know, they have our report. And that is the infamous report that the legislators said this report would never see the light of day. Sure. Remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. But that doesn't apply to the attorneys on this. So our report, remember, went from us to the legislators. And then the legislators said, hey, we're, we're sharing your report with the FBI. Uh-huh. And would you please meet with the FBI? We don't have any money to pay you because we're paying the New York lawyers and so much team, money. Mm-hmm. Four and a half million dollars. So we don't have enough to pay you two ding-dongs. such crap. Yeah. And, and we didn't have the good sense to say no. And we wanted to do the right thing. So we shared our stuff, everything with them. Yeah. Aren't you happy you did? Yeah, I am. But you you won't believe how this worked out. Of You've course got it's to not. hear yeah. how this uh-huh. In this exactly. case, by the time we get to the end, oh my gosh, seriously. Some of the, I keep telling you some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen happens right. in this case. But it just keeps going. That's what's it shocking to me. It just keeps going. But this one's actually funny. So if you want to hear okay. like some crazy funny thing, you got to listen to the end. Okay. Because it, we'll get there. But it is part of the Swallow trial and Jeremy and everything else. And it is, <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, folks. No, I'm not you that couldn't. creative. Uh-uh. It is so good. It is so good. Well, one of the funny things is that I couldn't resist the temptation to go and watch the trial once they started it. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And you had no idea anyone had you on a witness list. Yeah. And so I just walked in the courtroom, like, and it was pretty crowded. But I found a seat up, oh, second or third row in the gallery. Uh-huh. I didn't know it, but I was sitting next to John Swallow's family. No uh, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> How and nice. It, How convenient. It was, it, or interesting, kind of interesting, I should say. I mean, they are a terrific family, actually. Okay. I, if you met them, you'd, you'd be impressed. They're uh-huh. a typical Utah family. Sure. You know? Yeah. So I am following the trial like... Oh my gosh, like every word of the trial I want to hear. Uh-huh. But I didn't go because I kept thinking like, well, maybe they're going to call me as a witness. I'm not exactly sure of the timing when I learned that I had, that Rich and I were both on the witness list. Uh-huh. I, I Wait mean, a minute, you're getting ahead of us here, Pam, because I didn't know at all. In fact, you know, because I went to the trial. <laughs> right. oh. I did. That's true. I, I love it. I couldn't think of any reason why I shouldn't be there. Yeah, Yeah. and how did that work out for you, though, Rich? Well, that first day it was fine, but I heard a witness who was testifying. I won't tell you which one, but the witness was talking about the hard drives and wiping them and so on. And his testimony was directly opposite of what we had written in our report. Yeah. And what we had discovered and what our forensics examiners had told us about wiping computers. Yeah. And no I kidding. was flabbergasted. Wait a minute. I've seen this guy's statement. I've heard the forensics computer reports where they examined the hard drives. And the evidence I was hearing in court was way, way different than the evidence that we'd put together during the investigation. Wow. And I wasn't in court to hear that. in in person so i was actually following on twitter reporters were tweeting okay like minute by minute stuff that was happening and i heard the same thing and i was like oh my gosh are you kidding me 
that guy testified that he didn't wipe the computers, I know otherwise. I know that he had actually given a statement on the record, not in trial, but on another place on the record, where he acknowledged that he had wiped Swallow's computers, not once, but twice. Wow. Did we ever reduce his statement to a deposition or a sworn statement? Yes, the New York attorney did. So he'd sworn under penalty of perjury to one thing and then yes. testified to a, another set of facts at trial. In fact, we gave that affidavit that he prepared with the attorneys from New York. We gave that affidavit to Swallow's attorney, different attorneys than the trial because he switched in the middle. And the next day after receiving that guy's statement, declaring that he had helped him wipe these computers, just so you know, his statement for why he did it was very innocent. He did not know why Swallow had asked him to do that. He did not know why the attorney general asked him. Okay, wait. So you're telling me that he told you guys that he had wiped him because he was directed to? Yes. And yet when he got in court, he said, no, he did it. Correct. I was following it on Twitter. Rich was there in person. Both of us were absolutely shocked by hearing that. Yeah. And yeah. the day that went like a year before, like, no, it was probably two and a half years earlier when, when John Swallow was still the attorney general. The day yeah. after the legislators gave him a copy of that affidavit of that statement of the guy, the next day, John Swallow announced his resignation. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. So Rich is flabbergasted. I am. And I'm like, what the crap? Are you kidding? So I'm so upset about it. I call the lead prosecutor in the case that's prosecuting Swallow. And I leave a message and I say, hey, what is going on in your trial? I'm Pamela. I'm one of the investigators for the House, for the legislators of John Swallow. And I'm listening to the trial and reading the paper and everything and tweets. And your witnesses are not telling the truth. There was more than one witness what? that wasn't telling the truth. What did he say? And so it was a man and a woman team. They called me back and asked if Rich and I could come in and talk to them on Saturday. They were in the middle of about in the... They were at least the first week, maybe on week two by the time we met with them. I think the trial lasted yeah. like a month. So they're about halfway through trial. They asked us, could we come in on a Saturday? And so Rich and I go to the DA's office to meet with them. And of course, it's all the security. And when we get in, they bring us into a conference room. And the first thing I was surprised about was that they were in the middle of the biggest trial in the state at the time. Jeremy's was already over and he was in prison. And they had a conference room that there was not one paper on the table. But and I was like, wow. Because when you're in trial, it's like a war room. You've got... Right, stacks you've, stacks. Especially, yeah. you got papers everywhere, evidence everywhere. And maybe I, they just had a special room for us to meet in. But that was the first thing that struck me. And then Jojo, the lead prosecutor, said, how does it look for us out there? It looks really bad, huh? I said... Yeah, it's pretty rough. It looks pretty rough for you guys. Yeah. Then we start talking. It became really clear that the only thing they wanted to talk to us about was they know we're pretty close to Jeremy Johnson at this point, and they just want Jeremy to testify. And they're like, we need Jeremy to testify. And I said, well, <laughs> you guys, look, he's not going to testify unless and until you guys get him federal immunity. And they said, yeah. well, we gave him state immunity. We aren't going to charge him with anything in the state. I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. You do realize yeah, he's whatever. in federal prison? 
And you have yeah. no idea the crap that happened in that case. There's no way uh-huh. without federal immunity. He's going to help that anybody. He, yeah. It's like, well, no. And I'm not going to advise him to do it. No way would I advise him to do it. There's no. absolutely no you, way. It would be foolish. Completely yeah. foolish. And so they said, well, we need this. We need... And I said, look, like your IT guy that just testified, he just lied. Like there weren't just like a couple computers that were wiped. And I don't know if you guys remember or not, but after the infamous recording that Jeremy made with the attorney general at Krispy Kreme, after that time, the attorney general began destroying evidence, I believe, and evidence shows that literally every data device that the attorney general had after becoming attorney general had either been wiped, lost, or stolen, according to him, cell phones, hard drives, laptop, desktop, everything. And we had the sworn statement from their IT guy saying that Swallow had directed him to wipe his state-issued desktop and laptop computers, claiming that the action was needed to protect private information related to his role as the then Mormon bishop. We had the sworn statement saying that. And that guy had just testified saying he didn't wipe anything. What? Like, were the seven electronic devices that had all been either wiped or broken or whatever, like he or lost he had a or different something. Re- yeah, or lost. Yeah. They all had a different reason. And I said, geez, you guys just allowed that IT guy to testify to that when we know otherwise? And they said, well, we didn't know otherwise. And the FBI guy, remember this, Rich, that the FBI guy was sitting there with the two prosecutors and the FBI guy. He knew from the beginning. And I said, how can you guys not know that the computers were wiped? Yeah. I said, it was front page news. And they're like, it was? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I grabbed my phone. Are they not from Utah? I know. Like seriously, have you had your head in the sand or what? I know. So just while I'm sitting in the meeting, I pull my phone up and I Google it. And I pulled up like three articles about it. And I showed them the articles. I said, look, didn't you read our reports? And I turned to the FBI guy and I said, I'm sure you shared the reports with them. Like his job in this case is what my job usually is in a trial to have everything Uh ready. And I was like, didn't you give them our reports? Well, yeah. And I said, that's in the report. And the newspaper got this from the legislative reports. Like that was public, it's public information. Uh All you had to do was read the newspaper and and they're like, oh, well we didn't know that. Okay, but how could they not know that? I don't understand. You know what, I really don't understand it. I really don't. I don't know what your opinion is, Rich, but I think that they were just planning on, we'll give Jeremy immunity and then he'll come in here and tell the story and then we'll get a conviction. Uh I was stunned how ill-prepared they were for this trial and how little that they knew. Yeah, that's crazy. And then they said, oh man, we wish we could have you testify. And I said, put us on the stand. We can testify. And they're like, no, you can't. Now, this is the first time Rich and I learned that we were supposed to be witnesses in the trial. No kidding. No kidding. So here's what they said. Well, here's how it worked. The defense had you on their witness list. And uh-huh. we had you on our witness, both both Rich and I, on the defense list. And then the state prosecutors put us on their witness list also. Okay. Well, then great. Oh, we can't. Because here's what happened. When you get going into trial, remember this came up in Jeremy's case when the judge said, okay, the trial's going too long. Where's your short list like, of number of witnesses for you to have testify? 
And so the prosecution, when they were doing their shortlist, they cut Rich and I from their list. Okay. Because they decided if the defense had us on their list, we must have rolled over for the defense, that we were going to be friendly to the defense. And I said, well, what the hell? Are you guys kidding me? Even if we did, you have our reports from the House investigation, and you could say, hey, right here in your report, it says that you did this. Also, Uh on the bribery charge, the guy had just testified on that. And when I tell you, like, cases are won and lost before you even step in a courtroom, here's my PI tip of the day. If you or someone you love is facing trial and your attorney is not preparing beforehand, you're not ready to go to trial because they're won and lost before you step in that room. Because Swallow's attorneys, all these guys, the IT guy, they were interviewing that guy. The lawyer that had talked to us about the bribe, Uh when he told him, if Jeremy could come up with another $120,000, then yeah, yeah, I could make make this whole thing go away for Jeremy. So Rich, this was his expertise. So I had Rich meet with him to prepare an affidavit. And so Rich did. We had an affidavit. Remember the whole thing? It was the reason we got fired. Oh, that was the first time we got fired was because of the affidavit that we had gotten. Like, when in the world do you get fired for doing some of the best work in the case? Exactly. But we did. And that affidavit, the guy that wrote that, that Rich worked with him on that affidavit, that guy Uh got on the stand and didn't remember very well. Well, you know what that's about? I guarantee you that's about the Swallow's defense lawyers meeting with him and prepping him and saying, well, you're, you know, you're not, you can't be positive that's what he said right uh right and so it just kind of makes you question things and they do it way before you ever raise your hand and take an oath to testify that's crazy what i remember from that meeting is when i left that meeting i was of the impression that it was not a problem for me to attend the trial because i wouldn't be a witness because i wasn't on their witness list right i don't think i had any impression at all that I was on the defense witness list or any witness list after that. Why would the defense call me? They did. They told us that. The defense had had us on their list and the prosecution decided, well, they must have rolled over. So they took us off their list. And so then they were really bummed like, oh no, now we can't have them testify. So it's a great defensive strategy. Oh, it was awesome. And I said, why would they? I said, they don't want us to testify. They were bluffing. They've never even spoken to us. Notice they talked to all the other people they put on the stand, but they didn't talk to us because they weren't worried about us. They realized the prosecutors weren't going to actually call us. Wow. We didn't have anything good that would like help John Swallow's case. So why would the defense put us on? They wouldn't. It was a strategy. And lawyers do that sometimes. Don't you, Mitch? Oh, yes, I do. Of course I do. That's crazy. So then they just started hammering, like, well, we can't put you on the stand, dang it. So how about if you just get Jeremy to testify? And I said, look, I'm not even going to ask Jeremy to testify. Why would I do that to him? You guys get him federal immunity. If you can get him immunity, I guarantee he will testify. And they said, well, we haven't really done that. Yeah, well, without it, it's not going to happen. They said, well, we really need his words. We need him to do it. So I said, okay, I've got a great idea. Here's what you need to do. Mark Shirtliff was the attorney general before John Swallow, right? Right. And he was facing separate charges through Troy Rawlings. 
Troy that we've okay. had on before. Troy was prosecuting right. Mark Shirtliff, and Sim Gill, the DA in Salt Lake, was prosecuting John Swallow. Okay. And so I said, look, during the House investigation, we obtained a recording of Mark Shirtliff sitting with Jeremy Johnson and asking Jeremy, what is going on? I have been hearing all this stuff about my deputy attorney general. That was John Swallow at the time. He was the deputy. Sure. Yeah. And he said, I've been hearing all these things about him doing some illegal things, doing some crazy stuff, scandalous things. I don't know what's going on. Jeremy, tell me what's happening. And Jeremy lays it all out. He just explains everything. Okay. How Swallow would offer, like, hey, I can help you get some money to Richard Rawl, who will give it to Harry Reid, and... Remember that whole story. If you don't, you can go back sure, and yeah. refresh. Uh -huh. So, but Jeremy laid it all out, and these were in Jeremy's words. And that's what the prosecution wanted, right? Okay. So I said, look, here's what you can do. You remember, you guys have kind of learned the rules of evidence that you can't just say, here's a recording, we want the jury to hear it. You have to have a witness uh -huh. that was part of it somehow to introduce it. Oh, okay. Jeremy's not going to introduce it because he's not going to be testifying. So I said, here's what you can do. You can call Mark Shirtliff as a witness. I said, yeah. I am pretty friendly with Mark Shirtliff now that this is all over. I had become friends with him, uh -huh. trying to learn some other things in other places. But I said, I am pretty sure that I can get Mark Shirtliff to agree to testify because you guys have really trashed his credibility and his character during this trial. While uh -huh. you were going after Swallow, you made a lot of attacks against Shirtliff. And Shirtliff truly, I really believe, did not know most of what John Swallow was doing with Jeremy. Okay. And that's really obvious from the recording. And I said, so you would essentially have Jeremy Johnson testifying without him having to take the stand. And they said, oh, yeah. nope, nope, we are not going to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like, that would make Mark Shirtliff look good. And we are not going to do it. And I said, oh my gosh. Well, then... Then, good luck. I, yeah, I was like, you guys, look, you're trying to rope both of these guys in, and I'm telling and you, they're not, it's not going to yeah. happen. You've got to let go of the idea that you're going to destroy both of them just because you can. Yeah, like, or want to. Yeah, just because you want yeah. to. I said, look, this will work. This will totally work. And they said, nope, we are not going to nope. do it. We're not going to let Mark Shirtliff look good in this thing. Well, but they weren't going to let Mark Shirtliff and they weren't going to let Jeremy. Right. So good luck on your yeah, case. good luck on your case. Don't call us. I, it, Don't call us. We'll call it you. It was so frustrating. So I checked with someone. I won't mention their name. Someone that was very credible in the legal field. I called them really high up and I said, look, I just came out of this meeting with the prosecutors on the Swallow case and everybody in the state that was following the trial knew it's not working out very well for the prosecutors for the DA's office. You think? <laughs> yeah. And I said, this is what's happening. Here's my suggestion. I have a recording. They could introduce it through Mark Shirtliff. And I said, and I think Shirtliff will do it because he'll have some credibility that like then it will help kind of clean up his Everybody. name a little bit. Sure. I said they refused. And I said, should I contact Sim Gill himself? I know he says he has the two best prosecutors in his office doing this trial, but they don't seem to know what's going on. Wasn't that your impression, Rich? Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. So I said, I'm thinking maybe Sim doesn't get it that they aren't doing their homework. They haven't read the reports. Like... Our investigation was what they based the charges on, 
and they hadn't read wow. our report. Well, it could be that it wasn't consistent with how they normally approach a case. I mean, they hardly ever have outside investigators True. do anything for them. Usually it's a police agency, FBI. You know, the prosecutors are intensely involved in the investigation, sometimes even before charges are brought. True. Wow. But here this case was handed to them, I suppose, in a way that I don't know how it was handed over. Right. That's to, true. We uh, don't. County. So that could be part of the issue here. Maybe there was a little confusion in how this case should go. Maybe, huh. but it was really awful. Oh my gosh. So we left the office. I called this person and said, should I reach out to Sim Gill? They said, yeah, I would. So I sent an email to Sim Gill, the DA, and I said, hey, I have a, a great idea. I know your prosecutors in the Swallow case, they don't appear to be winning. And Rich and I met with them today and we suggested that they do this because I thought maybe the prosecutor's egos were just in the way. And if yeah. I give this suggestion to the DA, then he would say like, oh, yeah, that's stupid of them. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Sometimes you just got to kind of cut the fat and take what you can get. Yeah. And that's what I was suggesting. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I send the email to Sim and I say, I've got this recording of Jeremy and Mark Shirtliff talking and Jeremy's explaining the whole thing. And it would be a way for Jeremy to testify without testifying. And that way he doesn't take a risk and you guys get Jeremy's testimony and it's a win-win for everyone. I never heard a word from Sim Gill. No kidding. Crickets. Crickets. So frustrating. So they were counting on, in my opinion... The prosecution, they put all their eggs in Jeremy Johnson testifying, in spite of the fact that, like Rich and I said, he's not going to testify. Yeah. So they bring Jeremy on. I don't know if they flew him on Conair for that. Wait a minute. So they really did try to get him. Oh, no, they didn't just try to get him. They brought him to Utah. Like, you don't have a choice. If you get a subpoena, we've talked about this a lot. Oh, okay. So they subpoenaed him. So they subpoenaed him. Okay. And he shows up, they bring him, I can't remember, they flew him in on Conair, because I know he, he did take Conair for some of his transports. Not very many, they very often did <laughs> the bus system, which was really, really sucky. Okay. So he gets to court, and he's represented by number six. And so they ask him to raise his hand and testify, and he says, you know, my attorney has advised me not to testify. And he was so gentle, like almost timid about it. He'd say, uh, uh -huh. my attorney has advised me not to testify, and so I think I have to plead the fifth. And the judge, of course, everyone's pissed off, except for Swallow and his camp. They are, like, doing backflips. Happy. Sure. Yeah, they're beyond happy. And so the judge is mad, and she says, well, Mr. Johnson, you've been ordered to testify. I am going to send you back to jail because he had to stay in the county jail while he's here for the trial. Yeah. So she said, yeah. I'm going to send you back to jail and you think about it. I can't remember. I think they actually brought him three days in a row hoping that he would change his mind. Okay, so wait. So they subpoena him. Yeah. And they get him on the stand and he said, I'm sorry, my attorney has strongly advised me not to yeah. not to talk. Yes. They can't make him talk, right? If you plead the fifth, it's over. Remember from Jeremy's trial? The yeah. yeah. But did he actually say, I plead the fifth? Yes. I take the fifth. Yes. Oh, because the fifth okay. amendment is, is the right to not incriminate yourself. Right. I didn't know that. You just said he said, I, I'm not going to testify. I didn't know he had taken he the had fifth. He had taken the fifth. But he actually said. He actually said, I'm taking okay. the fifth. So then the judge sends okay. him to jail. 
that night, well, Jeremy's in Salt Lake. I'm in Salt Lake. Great. So I went to jail and I was just visiting with Jeremy and I really, really wanted Jeremy to testify. I really did. And I was like, Jeremy, oh man, isn't there some way that number six could get the feds to work out a deal for you? Yeah. Now the looking back, I think it was so naive of me to think that there was any hope of that. I do not believe yeah, for no. a second. No. That Harry Reid, the New Yorkers that did the house investigation with us, I don't think any they of those people never have allowed that. wanted Jeremy to no. say what he knew. There were yeah. a whole bunch of powerful people that did not want him taking the stand. So no way was that ever going to happen. No. But I was naive no. and I thought, I was like, well, maybe you could work it out. I really, truly wanted him to testify. And he's like, well, maybe. And, and so then the next day he comes to court, they say... You know, Mr. Johnson, you've had time to think on gel overnight, which is kind of funny to me. You know that song uh, with Burr Bear, Burr Fox, and Burr Rabbit? And then he says, whatever you do, don't throw me in the briar patch. And so they like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly what I'm going to do. do. I'm going to throw you in the do. briar patch. And then the yep. Burr Rabbit's like, I was born and raised in the briar patch. I was born and raised <laughs> in the briar patch. <laughs> exactly. So they're like, they're like telling Jeremy like, oh no, we're going to send you to jail. For anyone else, yeah, that's a problem. For, for a guy yeah. that's in federal prison. He's in prison. Whatever. What are you going to do? Okay, I'm in Salt yeah. Lake County Jail instead of prison, prison. in yeah. California. So, yeah. to me, I just laughed when the judge would say that, like, so threatening. Because all I could hear was Burr Rabbit in my head singing, I was born and raised in the briar patch. <laughs> so That's funny. Um, That's way funny. So like on the third day, the judge was getting frustrated, I think. And so she says, Mr. Johnson, the state has given you immunity. You can testify. Like What I really appreciate about Jeremy, if I were in that spot, I'd get pretty intense and probably it would feel angry and argumentative in my effort to protect myself and there was something about Jeremy that was just so peaceful always and I'm still in awe of it I don't know how he does it I wish I were more like that and then I think it would also help him if he were a little bit more like me at times to be able to protect himself better I don't know maybe we shouldn't protect ourselves but anyway uh, so the judge says this to him like hey the state has given you immunity you have no problem testifying And Jeremy said, yeah, but like very calmly, but your honor, it's not the state that I'm really worried about. It's the feds. It's the federal government that concerns me. And she said, yeah, but the state has given you immunity. And he says, your honor, judge, you will guarantee me that if the feds come after me, that you're going to explain that to them, that you will intervene and protect me. (laughs) <laughs> so, of course, she's going to backtrack and change that whole thing. So, <laughs> Jeremy did not testify, and she sends him off to jail, holding him in contempt of court for 30 days. So, I went to see him again, and then I get word, because I wasn't in trial, because I was still on the defense list. So, I didn't go to trial like Rich did, because I am more really obedient. <laughs> Uh-huh, sure. Every time I think of you, I think obedience. I know. That's the first thing that pops into yeah, my head. You and many others. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I have to defend myself, okay. too. Yes, please. <laughs> after meeting with the prosecutors, I had the impression that I would not be called as well, a we, witness. Well, you wouldn't be, for sure. So I made the assumption I would not right. be called. 
Otherwise, I would have shown up at the yeah. court. Oh, hey, maybe if, if we do show up and we're on the witness list, we could go in and sit down, and then they couldn't call us because we'd be like, wait, we've been sitting <laughs> yeah. here for days. Right. Well, that's where the problem came, yeah. Kelly, because I was sitting in court. They were questioning a witness, and all of a sudden, they had one of those sidebars, you know, what, they, yeah. Yeah. what you see on Perry Mason. Uh-huh. And both of the defense attorneys came up and the prosecutors came up and then they start looking back and they're looking at me and the judge says, Mr. Casper, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm watching the trial, Your Honor. Did he, were you sitting in the gallery still when he asked I you? I was. I was. And he said, you're not supposed to be here. And I said, why not? Oh my gosh, said, I love it. Because you're on the witness list. And I said, I didn't know I was on the witness list. That's the best. <laughs> so did then did he say, okay, now you're off the witness list since you've been sitting here? Or did they send no. you out? No. Oh, they said, you go no. out. Get they out said, of you here. Go oh home my now. gosh, that's hysterical. You go home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they didn't even validate my parking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Validate your parking. That's too funny. Oh my heavens. That, uh, that's way funny. Yeah. I have. That's a slap in the face. So my sound engineer that does all my sound for me is a big guy, and one day I went in the studio uh -huh. to record. This is what this totally took me back to this, and and he said, "Man, I went to lunch with a friend of mine. We went to this all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. We're sitting there eating and eating, and the owner comes up and he says, "You eat too much. You go home now." And they're like, well, no, it's, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. And they're like, no, no, you eat too much. You go home now. Uh -huh. You go home now. Uh -huh. <laughs> so when you told that That's story, funny. all I could think was of the Asian guy uh -huh. saying, you go home now. You go home. You go home now. <laughs> so anyway. That's funny. So Jeremy, I talked to him the second day. What I found out was... I get back out to my car and I've got a message from someone that's pretty important and I don't want to say their name, but they had just learned that they wanted Jeremy to testify so bad that one of the attorneys suggested that they go through the jail roster and find out who's been visiting him to influence him to not testify. Oh no, and they and saw I'm your like, name. Oh, oh my gosh, I was so panicked. I'm like, crap, I'm in trouble again. I get in trouble. Like, oh no, I'm in trouble. What am I going to do? They just sent Rich home, but they're putting you in jail right next <laughs> exactly. to him. I was going to be on the women's side. Oh, man, exactly. I was so nervous. And when I was visiting him, Jeremy said, hey, you know what? When they're booking me in, which is kind of silly because he's already in the federal system, but when the county jail was booking him mm -hmm. in, you could see on the computer screen everything they had. And all they showed was that I was being held in contempt of court. Because that's what Judge Mills was doing, was saying, sure. I'm going to hold you in contempt because you won't testify. Wait, again, isn't that against the law? Can you hold someone in contempt of court if you refuse to testify? Yeah. I thought it was your right to testify or not. Yeah, you can be compelled to testify if you don't have a good reason. And a good reason is that it may tend to incriminate you. I know, but... but if you... So yeah. he did that. He said, I take exactly. effect and now they're holding him in contempt. Yeah. That seems against the law. Right. I would think so if, if he properly raised the objection. And yeah. you know what, Shelly, you're going and bringing like logic and stuff in the way of what I know. really happened. <laughs> I'm actually learning the law yeah. here. Kind of. Apparently. Apparently. Well, you're learning how it should be and, and how it wasn't. Exactly. I'm not sure if it works it that, that way. It did not work that yeah. way. So, oh I'm my gosh. Like, and Jeremy says, so... If they don't have a federal hold on me, and I said, ah, you know, we'll figure it out. So the 
and every single day this is front page news jeremy johnson refuses to testify jeremy johnson pleads the fifth jeremy i mean it was like so to the world everybody the whole state's like what the crap he gets the attorney general in trouble this is what like people were like how can he do this and then he won't even testify against the guy like yeah ow, what a scummy thing to do it was so frustrating to me because i wanted to say would you look uh-huh. at look at all the hours we spent talking about what happened in the case what the feds did on the federal side right no one would ever right. they wouldn't understand they couldn't understand unless they had 20 hours to sit down and listen to me explain what had happened right. so far so it was just like, ah, right. I support him. He shouldn't have taken the stand. So the case goes on without him. Thank heavens after all this. Yes. I'm thinking, oh, of course he's going to walk. Except maybe they're just going to get him on the obstruction of evidence, the destruction of evidence, all the computers that were wiped. The jury came back, not guilty on everything. He was acquitted of everything. It wasn't a total surprise, but I was disappointed. Yeah. Right. But was the prosecution surprised? Like they didn't do their job because they were just counting on Jeremy stepping up. My guess is... And yet they don't want to offer Jeremy a a deal. Right. So it doesn't come against him. They just didn't do a very good job. Right. Swallow's lawyers are quoted as saying, the case was shown for what it is, which is unfounded. And actually pretty cocky statements from the defense lawyer, which I guess they deserved it. They got acquittals on every single count. Yeah. And so then he says, like, he, he spoke of one of the witnesses and he said, he's a liar and he's an unreliable witness. This is the attorney speaking for Swallow. And he said, he called him a career fraudster uh, with 4.1 million reasons to lie, referring to this $4.1 million that that witness owed as part of his uh, plea agreement that he'd made through the attorney general's office. Not Jeremy. Not Jeremy. No, no, no. Okay, I have a question through this whole thing. Now that it's been years gone by, does Swallow ever talk with Jeremy now? Oh, no. Actually... Okay. I hope not. uh, Jeremy has no bad feelings towards Swallow or anyone. That's just who Jeremy is. Right. You know, maybe by taking the fifth in this day and age, like people that are going to testify and then they're killed in prison or they're shanked or something like that. So maybe not having Jeremy, maybe Jeremy choosing not to and being advised not to saved his life. Because if there were so many people above him, yeah, not saying Swallow would, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But there are enough people out there that, that it could have maybe risked his life of some of the information that he does know. Right. You know? Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. It could have been the best thing to do. Yeah. And Swallow said, we're just so grateful that that the system did work. I'm grateful for my lawyers. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for our faith. And we're just glad it's over. One of the jurors said, based on the evidence that was presented and basically all of the evidence, we weren't firmly convinced. And obviously, unanimously, we weren't firmly convinced of guilt. And another juror was, she was a neurosurgeon, was quoted as saying, I would say without a doubt, almost every time the evidence just wasn't there to support the allegations. There seemed to be gaps. Uh, well then. And that's true. I have well, to then, agree Apparently with the prosecution didn't do their job. Yeah. And Jeremy had really thought that Swallow's attorneys were kind of friends of his at this point. Uh-huh. In this article, it says, Prosecutors dropped four charges against Swallow during the course of the trial, three of them because imprisoned businessman Jeremy Johnson, a 
another key prosecution witness invoked his Fifth Amendment rights right against incrimination and refused to testify. Swallow's attorney is quoted as saying he doesn't think the outcome would have been any different had Johnson testified. He called the one-time wealthy internet marketer the biggest example of corruption in the case. We were not afraid of Jeremy Johnson's testimony. I gotta tell you, that really yeah. pissed me off. Like, yeah. yep. you guys go out there and be all nice to Jeremy, make him think that you're his friend, and then you say a quote like yeah. that to the media. When, yeah. when yep. he exactly. did testify, yep. he could have buried your client, and he didn't bury him, and, it, yeah. and then your gratitude. Well, it's really easy to say that when Jeremy didn't testify. It's really easy to say, well, he wouldn't have done, right. nothing would have changed different. Exactly. You know? yeah, it crap. is. It's really easy to say that. But yeah. more power to them. They really did work that perfectly to get Jeremy to not. Yeah. They knew yeah. he wasn't going to testify. And if he did, they'd know what he was going to say. It was brilliant on their part. Judge Mills gave Jeremy 30 days in the Salt Lake County Jail to make him think. Like, that was his punishment okay. for not testifying. So, okay. I go see Jeremy again a couple times. And, I, and then he said... Well, you know, what do I do about that? I, I didn't see a federal hold on there when they were checking me in. What if they don't have a hold on me when the 30 days are up? And I laughed and I said, well, you know, I had this happen another time. A client was in state prison and there was supposed to be a federal hold on him. And he, when his fed, state time was up, they were releasing him. And he was like, hey, there's supposed to be a federal hold on me. And the guards were like, no, there's no federal hold. Just leave. Dude, like, just get out. And he's like, no, he didn't want to get in trouble. And so he's like, no, I think there's supposed to be a federal hold. I don't think you're gonna supposed to release me. And they're like, man, I've never seen anyone do this. Like, get out. Just go. So it does happen. It uh, kind of reminds me that what I say when I finish a gig and people are still wanting to keep dancing and sticking around, whether it's a party or a club or something. And I'm telling everyone, like, hey, the party's over. We're done. You got to go. And, and I'll just say, hey... You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So, yeah, it does happen. And I said, so, yeah, that's possible, but you're Jeremy freaking Johnson, man. I can't believe that right. they won't get their ducks in a row by then. But if they don't, when you get out of jail, walk over to the corner. There are not payphones anymore, right? <laughs> no, no, nowhere. Uh -uh. So I said, go to the corner. Uh -uh. There's a, a Maverick. And I said, go over there uh -huh. and borrow someone's phone and call me. Because I'm right downtown. His family lives in southern Utah. Right. So I said, call me and I'll come right. and pick you up. Thinking that'll never happen. A few weeks pass. I'm driving along one night and my cell phone rings and it has Jeremy's mother's name on my phone. She would call me periodically. Uh -huh. Answer the phone. I'm like, hey, how are you? And I hear Jeremy's voice. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because you can't really patch someone in on a jail call. So how did, what? I'm like, hey, Jeremy, yeah. what are you doing? And he said, I'm out. And I was like, what? And he said, I'm out. They didn't have a federal hold on me. And I was like, no way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Where are you? What's going on? So here's what happened. They actually released him a little bit early because the jails start getting overcrowded. So when that happens, they release people that are not violent criminals they get released first. So they released him before the 30 days were up and didn't notify the feds because the feds didn't have a hold on it. And so 
he got out because they screwed that up. So not knowing later, alligator. Not knowing he's facing eleven freaking years in federal prison. Yeah. So he just goes walking out of the jail. He walks over to the convenience store. <laughs> he doesn't know anyone's phone numbers. No one knows anyone's phone numbers anymore because we don't know. We uh-uh. have cell phones. Uh-uh. All the numbers are in our phones. He got a ride. They gave him a ride to, he has an aunt and an uncle that live in Salt Lake. And that's who he stayed with uh-huh. when he was getting ready for trial and during trial and stuff. Okay. And he was in a suit for being at court, right? So he had like a suit and shirt to tie on. And he's like, "Uh, Uh hey, can you give me a ride to my uncle's house? And so this person gives him a ride. And I'm pretty sure he told them at the end, like, who he was. Because they're like, Uh you look really familiar to me. (laughs) He'd just been, like, the lead story in the news every day for refusing to testify. (laughs) And he's like, so he gets to his aunt and uncle's house. And guess what? No one's home. No one's home. Uh Yeah. Uh So he's like, well, what the crap? So... He knows how to get in because he lived with them, stayed with them. He gets into the house, and no one has a home f- phone line anymore. Uh-huh. He goes to one of their computers, logs onto the computer, and goes to social, like, to an instant messaging system. Uh-huh. And he instant uh-huh. messages his mom and his wife and says, Hey, I'm at Aunt So-and-So's house. <laughs> the county jail let me out. And his parents just <laughs> happened to be... In Salt Lake for a Utah Jazz game. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. So they're like, we're coming to get you. And then he called his wife. And she was actually with the girls. They had gone with some friends just to get away because she was really struggling. And just to try to make Uh something happy for the kids, they'd gone to San Diego. And it was like a yearly trip. They'd all gone. She gets the call. The friends said, "We'll, we'll take care of your girls. And she jumps on a plane and is flying back. But before she can get here, so Jeremy's like, why don't you come by? I said, where are you? So they got a room at the Hotel Monaco, a fancy hotel downtown Salt Lake. And I just started laughing. I said, of course, a white collar guy. That uh, (laughs) that has a lot of money when you get out. You would go to Hotel Monaco. Uh For uh-huh, your night out. Uh-huh. And so he's like, hey, come come by. Because we used to argue, and we were getting ready for trial. And we would be hungry and like, oh, you got to go get something to eat. We would argue about who made the best French fries in Salt Lake. And I would always say, Hire's uh-huh. Big H has the best fries. Because they're like real potatoes that they cut right uh-huh. there. And they fry them right there. And, and then the fry sauce, I don't know. If you're not from Utah and you don't know fry sauce... I'm sorry, because you're missing out on a piece of heaven. <laughs> and, and, and Jeremy like would say, no, McDonald's has the best fries. And I agree, for fast food, McDonald's has uh-huh. good fries. But for real, real yeah. good fries, Not, hires uh-huh. Big H. And, and Jeremy apparently had all this time of eating prison food, and he decided that I was right. Hires Big H has the best fries, and he wanted some. So I was like, you got it. I'm going to come to Hotel Monaco and pick you up, and we're going to go get some fries. Go get fries. Uh-huh. And we did. We went and got fries. And I was just laughing like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that I'm sitting here with you. And we were eating uh-huh. root beer floats, which, like, that's how dangerous of a guy this guy is. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you get out of prison, and you are so reckless. We go to Hires Big uh-huh. H and get fries in a, in a root beer float. 
Like, oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. So I took a picture <laughs> of Jeremy with his root beer float in my car. And we didn't want to go inside because it's Jeremy freaking Johnson, right? So, so yeah. we're sitting out in the car, just the drive up. They have, they have girls that will come up and take your order and deliver it and stuff. So while we're sitting there eating the root beer float, I took a picture and sent it to Tom Harvey with the Tribune. And I said, ah, <laughs> guess where I am? And guess, and Tom's like, what, where are you? It was awesome uh-huh. because, and I wouldn't have done it if I thought Tom could have like, it was so late at that point. Like yeah. if I thought he yeah, could have interfered exactly. with it, I wanted, I said, so Jeremy, are you going to take some time off from prison? Are you going to just stay on the run for a couple days? What are you going to do? <laughs> and, and he's like, no, I'm going to turn myself in in the morning. I mean, there wasn't even anywhere to turn yourself in at night. The state no, police, uh-uh. like, you had to wait until federal court opens. And sh- Charlotte, his wife, was flying in from San Diego. It was so awesome. And she hadn't gotten there yet. That's why he had time to hang out with oh, me. okay. So I was okay. like, okay. We knew his, her flight was coming in, so I'm like, I'm going to drop you off so you can be with Charlotte for the night. It was so cool for them. They got to have, like, oh, one fun. night together. And remember, like, all the arguments that Jeremy's a flight risk. You have to come up with a $3 million bond and blah, blah, blah. What a crock of horse crap that is. Here the guy is free. And I was really thinking, I think I'd, like, stay free. They don't even know he's missing yet. They didn't know no, he was missing. Awesome. I think I would have yeah. stayed free for, like, another week or so. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Well... But then you don't want to push your luck either and make it look like you're on That's the That's true. That's true. So, yeah. so they had their night together, and the next morning, first thing in the morning, they get up and they go to the federal courthouse where we'd had our trial and everything else. And Jeremy, like, <laughs> they all know him, all the marshals, because we were there every day for trial. Everyone knows sure. when he checks it, comes in through security, and there's he's not shackled, he's not handcuffed, U.S. Marshal escort, nothing like that. And he says, I'm here to turn myself in. They released me from jail. What? <laughs> like, so they take him upstairs to the, to the U.S. Marshal's office to correct this wrong. And Charlotte and his parents were sitting, waiting downstairs in the lobby for this to all happen. Uh-huh. And here comes Barney Fife running, running into the courthouse. <laughs> like, like practically slipping on his shoes because he has they have screwed up so 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 bad oh oh that the biggest yeah biggest case the biggest defendant in the state of utah was released yeah and free all night long to eat root beer floats yeah and to hang out with his uh-huh. wife uh-huh <laughs> you know he could have had it been anybody else i mean they could have been anywhere oh for sure you know? for sure yeah so yeah Anyway, that is, <laughs> that's the John Swallow case. I hate, I, I don't really like the outcome. Jeremy's fine with it. He has no ill feelings towards Swallow at all. Uh-huh. Uh, I do mm-hmm. think Swallow has some bad feelings towards Jeremy. He blames Jeremy for everything. Afterwards, he made all these statements to the media. This proves I'm innocent. And I was thinking, well, no, it actually just proves you're not guilty that the prosecutors didn't do their case. Yeah. Yeah. Why mince words? Rich, do you want to add? Yeah. So I was teaching some continuing legal education classes, teaching a class on business transactions. And the idea came up 
I was using an example from uh -huh. our investigation. As the, I was the keynote speaker that morning, and I took a seat at the back of the room so that I, after I finished speaking, I could come uh -huh. back and be part of the audience. So I get up and I'm uh, introducing the topic of the discussion for today. And as I'm starting my presentation, I start off with the investigation of our attorney general and who should walk in but in, John Swallow. He had signed in up your for class. class. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he, he took a seat in the back of the room right next to where my stuff was. So I finished my presentation and go back to sit down and I'm sitting right next to John and I said hello because I think we had met a couple of times and we listened to the next speaker for a while and then he said, you know, I have never cheated on my wife. I think that's true. I know, actually. but did you? S I, I believe that's it. that's I, a weird <laughs> comment. Think, like, okay, congratulations, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know what to say. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what that's he meant so by that. That's so random. It is. That's just so. It is. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Because I don't think his fidelity has no, ever been in no, the question. It wasn't. No, and, and just in defense of him on that, during our investigation, even though that's not what we were looking for, I know for a fact we were digging in every, looking under sure, every rock everywhere sure. in uh -huh. his life. If that had been a problem, if that had been an issue, we would have learned about it. We wouldn't have disclosed that to the public right. probably, but we would sure. have known it. We never yeah. found any evidence of anything yeah. like that. Yeah, that's good to know. This case was a real adventure. Yeah. It was ridiculous. For sure it yeah. was. So I've never seen anything like this happen. All of this. So I just wanted to share. There is still so, so much more crazy stuff to come. But thank you for listening to Pamela.